What an honor it's been, and we've been counting down these days, and it didn't feel like it was ever going to get here, and it's finally here. And that's how it works. You wait so long for it to get here, then you blink, and it's over. But uh, we do uh, certainly appreciate this honor to be able to come to this place that is a home away from home for me. Uh, I've got two men that I consider leaders, mentors, uh, spiritual heroes, whatever name you want to place there in my life that I look up to. And uh, you know one of them, well, you know both of them very well. Uh, of course, Brother Prophet and Brother Noah Broughton. And uh, I got two churches that are special to me, and that's Celine Baptist Church, where Brother Broughton pastors, and of course this church. And uh, you all just make me feel your own nice room that you've got me and my family. And uh, my week, uh, I'm already fat, okay? And this is just going to be worse by the time I get out of here. But we're going to enjoy it while it lasts. Amen. Uh, I was telling the guys back there, uh, I don't know really why uh, Brother Prophet asked me to come. I don't know if it's he actually wanted me to come and preach and try to be a blessing or Miss Max wanted to spend time with the wife and kids. But either way, I get to preach. And so I'm going to be excited, okay? I'm going to be in Matthew chapter number 12. Matthew chapter number 12. I just want to read one verse to get us started tonight. Matthew chapter 12. This is like Pleasant View. You don't have to tell anybody to stand. You just know when the Bible's open to stand. I like it. Matthew chapter 12. We're just going to read one verse, and that is verse number 20. Matthew chapter 12, verse number 20. When you have your place, say amen. amen. The Bible says this, A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory. Let us pray. Father, Lord, we come before your presence tonight. Lord, so thankful to be in your house on this Saturday night meeting. And Lord, I pray that we would come with hearts to worship you, to lift up the holy name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray most of all, if there's one in our midst that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, I pray for that precious soul this evening, Lord, that the Holy Spirit of God would do His wonderful work in convicting and drawing to the cross of Calvary so that they could be gloriously saved. And Lord, we will give you the praise and the honor because we know the work is of God. And so, Lord, I pray for your help now as I preach. Lord, give me the words to say. Give me the heart to say it with. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to preach tonight on this thought, the compassion of Christ. The compassion of Christ. If you read through the gospel, it will amaze you the different reactions that Jesus Christ has toward certain people. If the religious crowd of the day, the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees would ever approach Jesus, He would treat them with a sense of stern rebuke because they were depending upon their own self-righteousness to get favor before God Almighty. And so He would rebuke them and He would be stern with them. And it wasn't the sissified Jesus that we have created in the day and time that we live in. He was very authoritative in their life saying, this is how it is and this is how you are not. And so He would rebuke them and be stern and sharp with them 
even though they were considered the religious elite of the day. Folks, and that's how He is today, I believe with all my heart. Anytime that we come before Jesus Christ with any self-righteousness of our own, we just heard in that beautiful song that we don't have anything to glory in. There's nothing about self that we can brag upon. There's nothing that we can come before God and say, God, look at what I've done. Look at my good works. He's just going to look at us, as the Bible says, and say, filthy. Because all of our righteousnesses is as filthy rags. I have nothing to offer to God. And when I come before Jesus with that prideful and that arrogant attitude, as if I have done something in my life for His favor, then He's going to treat me the same way that He treated the religious elite of that day. Folks, I beg you, if there's anyone here that says that you're trying to get to heaven based upon your goodness, based upon your works, based upon any type of righteousness of your own, I pray that you will humble yourself tonight and realize there's nothing in you that is worth glorying in. There's nothing in you that you can actually bring before God and fall at the feet of Jesus and say it is your righteousness that I need. It is your goodness that I need. It is your grace that I crave. That's what we need to do tonight. But what's amazing is the spiritual elite of the day, the real, I'll say not spiritual, the re- religious elite of the day, when he would rebuke them, but you find a sinner, the downcast, the outcast of society that nobody else wanted to be around. You take the lepers that nobody would even get around, nobody would even touch. You get that crowd that began to flock towards Jesus, his whole attitude changed. He went from the stern, the the, the one that would rebuke them, to the compassionate, loving, gentle, meek Jesus Christ. And folks, that is what we desire. I I don't want the Lord to come with me in wrath. I want mercy. I don't want a rebuke. I want forgiveness. I don't want Him to give me what I deserve. I want Him to give me what I do not deserve. And that is the grace and the mercy of Almighty God. And so when I look at this passage of Scripture, I see the compassion of our Savior. But the only way you're going to get that compassion is if you come come to Him the right way. Come to Him in humility. Come to Him in brokenness. Come to Him without any self-confidence or any self-worth where we feel like we have arrived. Because if you can remember the Apostle Paul, we can see in the Bible one of the greatest Christians who have ever lived. If you look at him in Philippians chapter 3, he would tell us, I haven't arrived yet. I haven't made it yet. I have not apprehended. I have not been made perfect. But he says this one thing I do. I forget those things which are behind. He says I press toward the mark. And that's what we're all doing tonight, folks. We're just pressing toward the mark. We're just moving forward. Trying to follow that pattern that God has set for us. That we can ever be conformed to the image of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But when I look at this passage of Scripture seeing the compassion of Christ. I want you to see, first of all, the reach of His compassion. Who is He reaching out to in compassion? 
And the Bible says that he reaches out to the bruised reeds. And he reaches out to the smoking flax. And you say, preacher, what is a bruised reed and what is a smoking flax? Well, a reed was a stem from a plant. And they were used for different things, different type of situations, but a lot of the times they were used for instruments of music. They were used to play songs. And when that reed was bruised or it was wounded in any way, what would happen is it would soften. And when it would become soft, it couldn't give out the sound that they so desired when they would play it for music. So what they would do is when it became soft, they would just discard it. It was worthless. Couldn't do anything with it anymore. And that's who Jesus is reaching out to. He's reaching out to that bruised reed who has lost their song. But then I see there's a smoking flax. A smoking flax was used as a wick. And when that wick would lose the oil that it needed to burn, it would begin to smother and it would begin to lose that fire and it could not give out the light that it was intended to give out. And so when it would begin to smoke a little bit, they knew that the fire was almost out and they would just discard that flax and go and get a new one. But Jesus said that He would not take that smoking flax out. He would not cast out that bruised reed. Folks, that is who He's reaching out to tonight. You say, preacher, I hear you, but bring it down to us. Bring it down on a personal, practical level. Who's He talking to? He's talking to those who have been wounded. And folks, there's not a single Christian that ever lives in this world that's going to make it through this life without facing wounds along this way. Every one of you, if I was to allow you to give testimony tonight, you would tell me of times where you have been wounded, how your heart has been broken, how you have been touched with the feeling of the infirmities that this world has to offer. And in that moment, you fell to your knees, not having the answers, but having all the questions, wondering, why is this happening in my life? We are wounded. We are wounded. And a lot of times, folks, when we see the wounded in the church, we have the wrong attitude. We look down upon them and say, why would you be cast down in this way? Why don't you just hope in God? Even David had to speak to himself from time to time, saying, my, he's saying, why is my soul cast down? He says, hope in God. But folks, we all get that way. And what I need to know, and what every church member needs to know, is that we need to be aware of that person and beware of getting so prideful that if we feel like if we were in the same situation, we would be on another level spiritually, that we would not have the same countenance we would not have the same uh, dis, uh, being dispirited, but we would be just firm in the faith. I, I, I'm not going to change. I'm just going to keep the faith and I'm going to stay faithful and I'm going to keep a smile on my face. Folks, sometimes this world will knock that smile off. And it's up to the church, the spiritual. When they see their brethren down, according to Galatians chapter number 6, it's the spiritual ones that needs to come and lift them up and bear their burdens. Folks, we will be wounded 
in this life. We will be wounded as we walk for Christ because we have an adversary. We're in a foreign land. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. Our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angel beckons me with heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Folks, we live in a foreign land. And when Satan attacks and the archers shoot their arrows and when they begin to stick because our arms get so tired that we're, we're, we're fatigued and we can't hold up the shield anymore. We, we, we can't hold up the armor anymore that protects us. We need a brother or a sister in Christ to come up alongside of us and say, hey, I'll lift up your arms for you. I'll pray for you. I'll lift you up to the Lord in prayer. But we will get wounded. But aren't you glad that the wounded are not cast out? They're not cast out. But here's what happens, folks. When you get wounded, you become weak. You become weak. You can't do the things that you used to do. I can remember when I was playing basketball 150 pounds ago. And you would be playing, it would be just the, the, the slightest tweak to your ankle that completely changed the way you were able to move. You wasn't explosive anymore. You, you didn't have the mobility like you used to have. You wasn't as agile as before. And in those moments, it shows that that slight wound, how weak it makes you. And there's people in the church, folks, you've been wounded. And it has weakened your faith. You begin to ask why more than you've ever asked before. You begin to question the promises of God unlike you've ever questioned them before. You begin to ask those questions. Can I truly depend not only on the Word of God, but can I depend upon the God of the Word? Anybody ever been there before? And it's in those moments, it's because of some wound that has happened in your life. And I don't know who has brought on that wound or what has brought on that wound, but because of that wound in your life, it creates a weakness in your life. And you begin to ask why. Why, Lord, would you allow this to happen? And folks, I, I try to be extremely cautious about asking God why and questioning God. Not that we don't see that in the Bible because it's in the Bible. But I have to remind myself that whatever God does, it's best. Whatever He does, it is right. Abraham asked the question, he says, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And whatever he does, he will do right. It will be the right way, it will be the right time, it will be the right strategy, everything about it will be right. We're in our hearts wondering, why Lord? He's saying, watch. I'll show you. I'll show you this is right. I'll show you that this is the best way. But folks, we get weak. We get weak. And when we get weak, we feel worthless. Oh, how many times I've asked God, God, are you done with me? Are you done with me? I get up and preach and 
seems like every, every word I say, it just falls right in front of the pulpit. It, it doesn't get even past the pulpit. I don't see the people affected by the message. And that's what my heart's desire is. As a pastor, I want to see the people blessed. It's not just a matter of getting up here and spending time behind the pulpit shouting out words. No, we want to see the people helped and the people blessed. That's the heart of a pastor. And when you don't see the people being helped and the people being blessed, you begin to ask the question, God, do you still want to use me? Do you still want me to preach? Do you still want me to minister in your name? And I'm sure you have those questions. Lord, have you put me on the shelf? Am I done? Is there no work that you have for me to do? Is there no work in the church that you want me to take on? Lord, are you through with me? But keep in mind, folks, it's those bruised reeds. And it's that smoking flax that He's reaching out to tonight. To bless and to help. That is who He's reaching out to. But second of all, not only do we see the reeds, but we see the restoration. Because He says here, a bruised reed shall He not break. That Wounded reed that has softened. He's not going to break it and throw it away. That smoking flax that's beginning to smother and lose its flames. He's not going to just blow out that little spark and cast it out. No, what does He do? He restores it. Only Jesus can take a bruised reed and still give it a song. Only Jesus can take that smoking flax, give it some fresh oil, and allow it to burn brighter than it's ever burnt before. Folks, that's the Savior that we serve tonight that is able to take the broken, the one that is running out of fuel, and give them a spark that gives them something to go on in life's way. That's what we need, folks. We need a touch from the Lord. It's not about just our willpower saying, I stand firm, I'm resolved, here's one. No, we need a touch from heaven. Revival is not man-made. It's not man-created. It takes a work from a holy God to take His people, revive them, and make them strong in the faith when they have been wounded in this world that we live in. He doesn't cast us. I'm, folks, I'm so thankful He didn't throw the clay away. As I read in the Bible, folks, and I see so many people, he could have threw David away. David there, as he's crying out in his confession of sin in Psalm 51, he's asking God to restore in him that, that sweet spirit that he had before to give, them, give him what he used to enjoy so much. And many people say, oh, David, you sinned against God. You didn't just commit one sin. You committed two sins. And not only were they two sins, but they were bad sins. Because we label them, you know. We put them in different categories. And we say, oh, those, those were not just two sins. Those were two bad sins. God ain't going to use you anymore, David. You're done. But what does he do? to the sweet psalmness of Israel. He gives him another psalm to sing. He gives him another instrument to play. He gives him the lyrics that he needs to sing unto his God as he's restored him back to the place that he once enjoyed when he had sweet fellowship and sweet communion with God. I think about folks, Peter, who denied the Lord three times. Oh, I couldn't imagine 
folks, as he says that last denial, and then he makes eye contact with Jesus. Jesus looks upon him, and the Bible says that he went out and he wept bitterly. Why? Because his heart was broken. He felt the guilt of knowing what he had just done, and he denied his Savior. And I think about Peter, broken. The fire is going out. Say, no way the Lord is ever going to use me again. No way the Lord's ever going to want me as an apostle. No way does He want me in His inner circle. But as He tells Mary where that the disciples need to meet Him after He had risen again from the dead, He says, go and tell my disciples and Peter. Make sure Peter knows that I want him in the group. Make sure Peter knows that he's still part of my servants. Make sure Peter knows he's still my beloved disciple that I'm going to use. And did he use Peter after he denied him? Oh my, did he? At Pentecost, 3,000 got saved while he was preaching. In Acts chapter number 10, it was Peter that was used to open the door for Gentiles to enter in to this blessed faith that we have. Folks, I'm talking about how Jesus is able to take the broken, the bruised reed and the smoking flax and restore them. I think about the woman caught in the act of adultery. All the, the, the religious elite cast her at the feet of Jesus. and says, here's what the law says. She's supposed to be stoned to death. She's supposed to die for the sin that she's committed. That's what the religious crowd was saying. They were saying, this bruised reed, let's cast them out. This smoking flax, let's do away with them. That's what the religious people of the day said. But what did Jesus say? <laughs> he says, where are your condemners? Has no man condemned you? And he says, neither do I. I'm not going to condemn you. He says, go and sin no more. And folks, we can talk about person after person, story after story in the Bible. One more I'll give you before I go to my next point. I think about that demoni the demoniac of Gadara. Oh, nobody would get around him. He was crazy. Okay? I mean, the man was crazy. They would tie him up, he would break him. He would sit here and cut himself, run around naked. We would consider him a crazy person. We would put him in a special place designed for those type of people. And here Jesus comes by. Everybody else done everything they could to get rid of Him. What did Jesus do? He walked right to Him. And Jesus was able to cast out those devils. Heal Him. Give Him His right mind back. And this man who so desired to be with Jesus because I believe that's a good sign that you've been saved, that you've been born again. You want to be with Jesus. And so here He wants to be with Jesus. Jesus told Him, no, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home. I want you to tell your family and friends what I've done for you. That was a bruised reed, folks. That was someone who was broken, wounded through the persecution of Satan. This was a wounded reed. This was a smoking flax. But what did Jesus say? I can still use you. Folks, only Jesus, as Job says, can give you songs in the night. And some of you tonight here, you may have your harps hanging on the willow. 
And you may be asking the question, how can we play the songs of Zion in a strange land? But folks, I can say this from experience. Then those moments when I was just about to give up, that I was going to throw in the towel, saying I'm not fit for such a great work as the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He put that sermon in my heart. said, I want you to preach this one. He put that song in my heart. He said, I want you to praise me for a while. He gave me a person to pursue with the Gospel of Christ. He said, I want you to win one more. Oh, He gives us songs in the night. He restores us, folks. He doesn't get rid of us. He doesn't cast us out. Some of you might be willing to quit right now. You're, you're, you're thinking about giving up. Saying, no more. I don't want anything to do with this. This ain't working. Won't you come to Jesus and see what He can do? But then I see the result of His compassion. The result of His compassion. He says this, A bruised reed shall He not break, and smoking flax shall He not quench, till He send forth judgment unto victory. We are on the winning side. Victory will be ours. I may not feel victorious right now. I may not feel like a great champion right now. I may not be wearing the crown. I may not have the ring on my hand. But one day, folks, victory will be in eyesight. It will be where we can actually sit. I know we got the victory because we have the victory in Jesus. But one day we're going to see it. One day we're going to feel it. One day we're going to experience what Christ has done on the cross of Calvary. Oh, folks, could you imagine living this life, suffering the wounds that this world has to offer, and then one day realizing that it was just a fight that we were fighting to get to the finish line where the outcome had already been determined. We were on the winning side. That prodigal son, folks, I'll give you this and I'll quit. That prodigal son sitting there in the hog pen. Been there. Been there. Sitting there in the hog pen after he had spent all that the Father had given him. And he's sitting there in his mind not thinking of victory. He was just saying, maybe my Father will make me a servant. That's really all I, I want. I just... Maybe He'll make me a servant and He'll feed me and He'll put some clothes on my back. Maybe give me a roof over my head. But I'm not thinking beyond that. Just, I, I just, maybe I'll be a servant. But as He gets in view of the Father, what does He do? He runs out to Him. Puts His arms around Him. Tells Him to put new clothes on His back. Put new shoes on His feet. Kill the fatted cow. Get, have a party putting a ring upon His hand, what that prodigal did not understand, that it was already determined that He was going to have the victory, but He had to first humble Himself and see that He had to go back to the Father's house. And that's what I'm saying to you tonight. Folks, you have to humble yourself and go to the Father. And I see, say, I need comfort from my Christ. I need comfort from my Savior. I come in desperate humility tonight. Oh, what if the church got there? What if we all got there? Where we had nothing. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. What if that was our heart tonight? What could God do with such a church? 
where he was going to get all of the glory, all of the credit. What could God do with that type of church? The problem is, folks, we still have that old sin nature that still desires, like Adam and Eve, if you eat of this fruit, you'll be as God's. We still have a touch of that in us where we want something out of it when God says, no, let me have it all and let me show you what I can do. You say, preacher, what do I do? Well, the songs already told us what to do. First song that we sung, come to this fount so rich and sweet. Cast thy poor soul at the Savior's feet. Plunge in today and be made complete. Glory to His name. My prayer tonight is we would humble ourselves. Come at an old-fashioned altar and cry out to God to take this bruised reed and this smoking flax and revive us again. Let us pray. Father, Lord, I ask You tonight, Lord,